So we're going to read from um, Jeremiah this morning, um, uh, verses um, 5 to 13. I hope it's on the screen. If not, don't worry, we can read it here. It begins, thus says, I prefer thus says the Lord, don't you? This is what the Lord says, thus says the Lord. Jacob and all the families of the house of the Lord, thus says the Lord. What wrong did your ancestors find in me that they went far from me and went after worthless things and became worthless themselves? They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that no one passes through where no one lives. I brought you into a plentiful land to eat its fruits and its good things, but when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priest did not say, Where is the Lord? Those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that did not profit. Therefore, once more, I accuse you, says the Lord, and I accuse your children's children. Cross to the coast of Cyprus and look, send to the Kedar and examine with care. See if there's never been, has ever been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods, even though there are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for something that does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and dug out cisterns for themselves, crack cisterns that can hold no water. This is actually a word of encouragement from Jeremiah. <laughs> it's about his best encouragement you get from Jeremiah in one of his, throughout his book. And he says that he's calling the people to repentance. They're saying there's hope. There's hope. You may have forgotten the Lord in your situation, but there is hope when you cry upon the name of the Lord. There is hope when you know that you have a God, a Savior, who brought you out of slavery and captivity, who took you through a desert, who kept you for a generation within a desert and difficult place, who brought you manna, who gave you water, and then took you into a land of promise of milk and honey and fruits and blessings. That same God is still with you. And wants to bless you. Amen. Isn't that great? The same God who brought you through your circumstances, your challenges, your difficulties, your fears, your bereavements, your, your illness. That God is still with you. That God still wants to hear your cries. That God still wants to do wonders and miracles and transformation amongst you. Amen. And when we get to those dry, difficult places where we think, where, where is God? When we get to those places, maybe we've forgot God, we've forgot his word, we've forgot his promises, where life seems hard, there doesn't seem to be any living water, there doesn't seem to be any refreshing. God says, I'm the God who brings refreshing, I am the God of living water, I'm the God who heals and sustains and restores and I'm ready to work amongst you and do great and miraculous things. But turn back to me. Come in repentance. 
seek me out and say, O God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of Moses and Elijah and Elisha, come amongst us. Heal us and restore us. That you might turn our eyes to your face and see that when we turn to you and look in your face and your face turns upon us, that we find worth and meaning and value and power and spirit and life and hope. That we turn away from worthless things in life and turn to the greatest treasure that we have, a God who loves us and seeks to redeem us and restore us. I've got a friend in Scotland and if you want to get something like a car that's worthless, he's the ideal person to ask. <laughs> it didn't matter how good a car he had, you know, he would always say, oh well, I don't like this anymore. I want a different car and then we'd go look at the most ridiculous car you would ever imagine in the world, a converted car, it'd been, a, been an old Sierra or something, then transferred into, changed into some kind of big cabin type car, kind of four wheel drive, and you're just looking at, he's going to drive 100 metres and this thing's going to fall apart, and you would say, do not buy that, do not buy that, but every time he would buy it, and every time he'd go and say, why did I buy that? <laughs> why did I do that? It's worthless, and every time we would spend money on something, in a car or such, it would always end up being worthless. And how many times have we invested in things in life that are worthless, that are empty, that have no meaning, they were given energy and time to, yet we have this source of meaning and power and life that flows from the throne of God that says, if you turn to me, I'm going to give you meaning in life. If you're thirsty, I'm going to take that thirst away. If you're hungry, I'm going to feed you and going to fill you. If you walk in my path, my goodness me, your life is going to be difficult but it's going to have meaning and purpose you're going to see transformation and hope and so Jeremiah he's amongst these people and he's making several cries to them and saying you know we've got this king Josiah and he's a good man he's a good man and he's he's sincere and he he wants to make um, he's made religious changes in, in Judah and Jerusalem and he's, and he's turned back to God and there's a sincerity that he's turned back to God and um, he's reinstalled the religious festivals and all these things but God's saying to them he wants more he wants more from them because although Josiah has turned back to the Lord, there's still a superficiality about the people of Judah and Jerusalem. You know, their king saying, yeah, we're going to reform Israel, we're going to reform Judah, we're going to reform the temple, we're going to cleanse it. And the people are going, yes, king, okay, king, that's fine, king. And, and the, the people are a sense of, let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's explore worshipping Yahweh again. Let's explore our traditions. Let's explore our history. Let's explore and remember what God did in the, the desert and took us out of Egypt. And, and let's do festivals and uh, let's worship Yahweh again and let's, let's worship the God of Israel. And there's an excitement there, but it only takes that. And they're distracted 
and they're led astray again, and then they're worshipping other gods, they're, they're worshipping idols, they're going back into old practices again, they're going back in sin again, they're, they're turning away from God again. And God says it takes something more than just the religious forms that Josiah's making. I want your heart. I want you to love me because you love me. I want you to love me because you've seen what I've done for you. I want you to love me because I can be the source of your life that gives you fulfillment. I can be the source of meaning for you. Will you turn to me? It comes to bit, it says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. It's easy to live a Christian life, isn't it? And to live in a routine. We, we, have a, we pray, we read our Bible, we, we worship God. But where, where is God in our lives? Have we forsaken God? In our hearts and our desires, do we have a passion for God, a love for God? Have we for, forsaken Him? Has it become a religious routine? You see, for the Israelites... They were starting to do everything right, but they had forsaken God. It was religious practice. Their heart wasn't there. And he says, the people have committed to evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and have dug out cisterns for themselves, crack cisterns that can hold no water. Cisterns were very important to the people of Israel and Judah because when it came to the very dry seasons, there wasn't much rain and there wasn't much water. They didn't have the tap that they could turn on like we can do today and we get access to water anytime. It's fantastic, isn't it? It's amazing. We take water for granted. You know, we don't think actually we don't have water for a few days. We're going to be kind of almost dead. <laughs> it's so important to our life and sustenance. We cannot live without water. We can go a long time without food, but we can't go a long time without water. And so for the people of Israel and Judah, everywhere they went, they would be digging these cisterns and the limestone and they'd be putting plaster around them. And so every time it rained, the rain would come in and fall in in these cisterns. And so that during the really dry spells, when they're really thirsty and thinking, where are we going to get water from? How are we going to survive? How am I going to get water for my children? Oh, we've got the cisterns. We can go to the cisterns and we can get water there and that will sustain us and keep us. We can access that water. But if those systems crack and the plasters crack, then the water becomes polluted, the water leaks out, and all you're left with is a bit of muddy water in the bottom. And you're drinking from polluted water. You're drinking from something that's worthless, that can't sustain you, that can't keep you, that can't help you. They have forsaken the fountain of living water. Isn't that amazing? They have forsaken the fountain of living water. I remember when Lucia told me at one time in, in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, that they, she had two weeks that they did not have water. 
They couldn't shower, didn't have any water at the tap, they didn't have anything. And they were looking everywhere for, for bottled water, for water to drink, just water to drink, let alone do anything else, just water to drink for two weeks, can you imagine? I remember where we used to live, we, we had a, a burst pipe and our water kind of just disappeared from the tap and there was no water and within five hours there was no water left in any supermarket in that town <laughs> everybody just became so scared they went to every supermarket and bought every bottle of water they can and we were thinking oh we've got Isabella she's, she's quite young she needs water where are we going to water from we have no water and our neighbour came from a different place where he worked and said I thought there'd be no water here so I'm bringing you six bottles of water to see you through this time not even a Christian just I'm bringing you water because I know you've got a young child and you probably need access to water in just 40 hours in one town in Britain without water people in a panic can bought every bottle of water in sight just panic buying and as Christians we can look to other sources to give us life can't we there's so many distractions in the world today there's so many things that, that promise us life from TV adverts you know, to, from television programs to to, uh, to, to to buying a car which will sustain you and be, oh, this will be wonderful and fill your life up. But it never satisfies, does it? You can go around your life and you can think about, oh my goodness me, how am I going to go through this difficult situation? How am I going to go through this sickness? How am I going to go through... All these, all these things are happening. It's a bit like things are a bit like a washing machine in your head, isn't it? Spinning round, spinning round, spinning round, and you're you just get into yourself a cycle of thinking, and and it just gets more difficult and more challenging. And say, how do I cope? And you just say, you just have to go. You know what you have to do? You have to go on your knees, or you have to fly flat on your face, or whatever you can do, and you have to say, God, just take this. You can sustain me. You can keep me. You can hold me. God, you're the only person who can take us through this. You're the only person who can take us through the desert. You're the only person who can take us to the promised land. You're the only person who can fulfill us. You're the only person who can give us life. Amen. It comes to a point of saying we depend on the God of living water. And Jeremiah is telling the people there, they have access to life. They have access to abundance. They have access to so much more than they don't know. That's incredible, isn't it? If only they would turn to God, there's a source of living water, there's a source of life, a source of power, a source of anointing, a source of hope, a source of power that can sustain us and keep us and empower us and say, my God can take me through anything. My God can sustain me in everything. My God can hold me in everything. My God can keep me in everything. And it's a choice as Christians, we can either live in lack and we can choose to use, find different sources of life and living water. The Israelites, they chose other gods, they worshipped other gods, they sought after other gods thinking it would bring them fulfillment in life and meaning. And all it did was bring them judgment and destruction. 
It brought pain. Yet they had a source of life and living water that they could access from God. I tell you, I'd rather access the living water, wouldn't you? I'd rather access his power. I'd rather access his hope and his love and his gentleness and his kindness, his self-control. I want that living water. In John 4, chapter, chapter 4, verses 10 to 15, we encounter, Jesus encounters a woman who's a, a Samaritan woman. And um, this is a quite interesting political intrigue because this goes back to the time of Jeremiah and the sense of the arguments that were happening between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah where they should worship. Moses commanded the people of Israel that they should have one place that they appoint that they should worship God. And eventually, in the time of Solomon, they they built a temple and God dwelt in Jerusalem. Before that, they had Bethel, they had other places. But when the two kingdoms split, you know, the king in the northern kingdom didn't really want his people to worship in, in Jerusalem. So they appointed a place called Mount Gesem, where the Samaritans, the people of the Northern Kingdom, would go and worship. And so you had this fight between two groups of people <laughs> of where they should worship God. You know, should I worship God in Jerusalem or should I worship God in Mount Gesem in Samaria? Well, if you're a Samaritan, you don't want to upset your king, so you'll worship in Mount Gesem <laughs> and go there. You won't go to Jerusalem. And if you live in Judah and Jerusalem, you're going to worship in Jerusalem, the people would fight. And then that was made worse when the people of the northern kingdom were taken into captivity. And then this meant you were left with, and some people were left in the land who were Jewish, and they mixed with Assyrians and Syrian people and different people of nationalities, and they became mixed. They were still Jewish, but they were mixed with other nations, other nationalities, other things. And um, after a time of, after the sovereign kingdom was taken into exile, and they returned to the land. They said, we don't recognize these people as Jews anymore. We don't recognize who they are. And so we're going to keep ourselves clean for them and pure for them and not mix them anymore. And so the Samaritans to the Jews of the sovereign kingdom who came back from Israel said, we're, we're, we're unclean. They didn't like them. They, they didn't want to mix with them. And so they said, no, you stay where you are. And worship God where you are, and we'll, we'll worship God in the, the true place, the one place where we should worship God. And so Jesus, in the midst of all this political thing that's went on to, from, from really six, seven hundred years, encounters this Samaritan woman. And he's thirsty, and he wants water, and, and she, she comes to him. And Jesus asks her, said, can you give me some water? And she's going, as, as Paul was saying, what? <laughs> you want to give me some water? You know, it's, uh, you, do you want, she goes, you want to give me, you want me to give you water, but I'm a Samaritan woman to you, I'm unclean, I'm unholy. You know, you Jews say there's only one place that we should worship God, and that's in Jerusalem, and we don't do that. We worship here in Mount Gesem. Why would you want me to give you, you water? And Jesus said, if you only knew the source of the water, the living water that I can give you, 
The water will give you life and life in the full. The water that will cleanse you and purify the God. The water that will bring you into relationship with God. That will take you into holiness and power. That will make you turn your face to God and say, I want to know God and love God. I'm going to give you this water that gives you life and life in the full. Oh my goodness me, isn't that amazing? Who wants life and life in the full? I want that. I want that living water. And she was like, I want that living water. Where did I get that living water from? Wouldn't you be the same? You know, I'm tired of my life. It's difficult. It's challenging. And she had a difficult life. Five different husbands, all these different things going on. Her life is all turned up down. And she's saying, do you know what? In the middle of my mess, I want living water. I want something that gives me hope. I want something that transforms me. I want something that changes my situation. I want something that takes me to this God who's incredible, who loves me, who sustains me, who keeps me, who took me out of captivity, who says, I'm no longer a slave, but I'm a child of God. I want to know that God and love that God. Give me that water that gives me eternal life and life in the full. I want to give me the water, give me the water. And I tell you, if you were three days without water, you'd be saying to me, Gary, if you've got water there, give me water. Give me water. I need water. And she was thirsty. She needed water. Do you need water? Are you thirsty for God? Because God says if you're thirsty for him, he will give you water in which you will never thirst again. He'll give you food in which you'll never hunger again. Because it comes from the throne of God. It comes from Him. He is your sustenance. He is your power. He is your life. And even when you're hungry in this world, and even when you're thirsty in this world, you will never be spiritually thirsty. You'll never be spiritually hungry. And do you know what? If you're not spiritually hungry and you're not spiritually thirsty, you can sustain anything. You can go through anything. You can face any challenging. You can know any difficulty because your source is coming from heaven, from the throne of God, from the Holy Spirit, and not your circumstances, not your life, not your challenges, not your hopelessness, not your failures, not your fears, not your past. But it's coming from the throne of heaven. He says, I love you. I see you. I know who you are. And I want to give you life. And I want you to live in a different identity. As a child of God sustained with me. I want you to start to have eternal life. And eternal life is to know the Father and the Son who sent him. Amen. If you want to have eternal life, you need to know the Father and the Son who sent him. And he said, give me that water. Give me that water. And she said, but you're a Jew and you know, you're, you're, your people worship. In Jerusalem, our people worship in Mount Gesem. You know, you know how, how can we ever worship God the same? How can we ever recognize that, that we can be before God and worship him? And Jesus said, there's a time coming. There's a time coming when we won't worship in Jerusalem and we won't worship in Mount Gesem. There'll be a time coming when it's not about the place, the location where we worship, but how we worship yeah? There's a time coming about when it'll be how we worship in spirit and truth. Amen? When we come before God because God is spirit and God wants us to worship him in spirit, that means we've got to move out of our physicality, our mindsets and our beings and say, God, how can I worship you in spirit? That means you are my source, you are my life, and that means everything is submitted to you. That I don't step to the left without your presence and your spirit moving. I don't step to the right without your presence moving into me. I don't move anywhere without your spirit leading us, without your presence going for us, who 
Moses who cried out, we cannot go forward into the promised land without your presence. If your presence doesn't go with us, God, we cannot go forward. And he ripped his clothes and he cried, God, I don't want my angels to go before us to take that land. I want to go into that land with your presence, Father. And as a church and as a people, as thing, we do not want to do anything without the presence of God leading us and directness because he is the source of life and living water. So he said there's a time coming when it's not about a location but it's about a heart. (laughs) It's about an orientation. It's about a will and a desire and a humbleness. It's about recognizing there's a source beyond our means and our abilities and our powers. There's a, there's a source beyond our resources, our mental abilities, our, our structural programs, our, our buildings, our, our broken identities. There's a, there's a source beyond that. It says, if you drink from me, you'll never be thirsty. You'll never be hungry spiritually again. Who's tired of being spiritually thirsty and hungry? You know? You get those days, don't you, where you feel like, oh my goodness me, where's God? Where's God? Where are you, God? What are you doing? And then you get those days where you think, oh well, it's one of those days, so I don't ask where God is anymore. <laughs> I, don't, I don't cry out to God anymore. And then it goes on, and before you know it, you're, you're two or three years down the line, and you're just thinking, well, this is the way life is. It's thirsty, it's hungry, it's dry. You know, I try and read my Bible. I try and pray. I try and find meaning. I've done mindfulness. I've done Buddhism. <laughs> I've tried to be a Hindu. I've tried to do this. I've tried to do that. And it's never sustained me or kept me. I've tried to be religious. Oh, God, trust me, I've tried to be religious. It didn't work for me. (laughs) It didn't work for me. In the sense that you don't feel that source anymore, that life. But when the people of Israel, you know, they... They, they were in captivity. They felt like slaves. You know, sometimes I feel like a slave to the world, to myself, to my feelings, to my emotions, to the world around me, to societal pressures. I feel like a slave sometimes. Anybody feel like a slave to, your, <laughs> to life, to circumstances? A slave to work, a slave to other things. And actually, you know, I know I'm destined to feel much more than that. In Israelites, they were in captivity they were they were in Egypt, they were slaves. Their lives was difficult and challenging for four hundred years. Yet the people came to a point and said, We can't carry on like this anymore. We've got to cry out to him who is our God, because what answer do we have yet to but to cry out to him? And so the people the people decided, you know, there's a greater source 
to life than being a slave in Egypt. We believe the promises that God had over Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that he wanted to be a people, a mighty people of a nation of our own. And God, we want to claim that and declare it and take it for our own. You know, it's not, you not feel that in your own life. That God's got something greater for you, something more for you, that he's called you to identity, a purpose, a power. There's this greater source that you just quite haven't tapped into yet, that, that you know is going to take you to a different dimension, different power, different spiritual place, supernaturally different as a being, transformed morally in your life and your standards, but it's going to be difficult and challenging, but within it, God's shaping you and molding you and creating you. And the people said, they cried out, God, God, we need you. Come and hear our cries. Come and hear our cries. Come and deliver us. And what did God do? Did God ignore them? He heard their cries and God came down amongst them and he saw them and he looked at the situation. He saw their pain and he cried over them and said, I am going to deliver you and I'm going to set you free. And he raised up Moses. Even when the people went into the promised land, they, you know, they, they, they had difficult times and challenges. You know, the, if you read the book of Judges in the Old Testament, the people of Israel, they, they, they worshipped God and they served God and then they, they worshipped all idols and went astray and then they had enemies come against them and then they, they cried out to God and God sent them a judge and then they, 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 they followed God for a few years again and then they, they went astray again and they, they, they sinned and they went against God and worshipped our idols and they cried out to God again for God to rescue them and God would send a judge and, and even when a time of, of when God raised up Gideon the people of Israel were being oppressed by the Midianites and every time Israel scattered seed and planted seed in the ground, and as it started to grow, the Midianites would say, oh, the Israelites are starting to plant seed. They're starting to see growth. They're starting to see have prosperity. They're starting to see things happen. The enemy would come. And they would come on their camels and their donkeys and their horses and armies and charities. And they would come and they would trample all over Israel's land, destroy all the crops, destroy the seed, destroy the potential, and just scatter it. And after time, the people started to, to live in caves, <laughs> and hide in caves, and live in caves, and live in cisterns, and emptiness, and lack. And they just accepted they didn't have access to the living waters. They didn't have access to the God who could save and sustain them, the God who could bring them into potential, the God who could fill, fulfill everything in their lives. And then one day, the people decided, you know what? We remember this God who took us out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of the desert, into the promised land. Maybe this God can help us again. Do you know what they did? In their sinfulness and their brokenness and their heart and hiding in the caves, not knowing what's next, with an enemy that was oppressing them, it was challenging and difficult, they cried out to God. God, hear our cries, deliver us. God, God set us free from this oppression. Lord, bring us back into our land that we might have purpose, that we might be fruitful, that we might have hope, that, that you will deliver us as a people and set us free. And God said, I have heard your cries. I am the God of, I am the God of Israel. Of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of Moses. I led you free, but you forsake me. You went against me. But even though you forsake me, I've heard your cries, and I'm going to cry, and I'm going to raise up someone to deliver. And he raised up a judge, a fearful man, 
called um, Gideon, who was hiding in a wine press, who doubted God, and God used them to rout the Midianites and raise up his people in their land again because they cried out to God. Are we ready to cry out to God? You know, because when you cry out to God, God pours out the living waters. He gives you a source, a greater source that we can't access anymore. Do you know what? The Bible is basically, Jeremiah is saying, you know, you can turn anywhere, you can look anywhere, you can, you can find any source that you want. But it's worthless. It's a bit like when I go to the, the doctor, and um, I think it's a consultant in today, so. <laughs> but it's like when I go to the consultant. I've already looked in Google about most things already, and I'm going in there and saying, oh, but I found this in Google, and it says this in Google, and they just laugh at me and go, well, you know what? <laughs> I'm the expert. <laughs> I've studied for years. I know what it is, and I'm telling you what the fact is. And you go, do-do-do-do-do. All that time spent worrying and fearful, looking at Google, looking at all the possible things, you know, that you've got a pain in the back that you're going to die of cancer or something else or that. And you go, oh my goodness me, there's so many things wrong with me. It's worthless, isn't it? It's worthless because I've got an expert there in the hospital who can tell me exactly what I need to do and just go on and do it. And there's many good things in life, but when we make them bigger and better than God, they become, they're worthless. Because there's only one thing that's worth and value, and that is turn our face to God and cry out to Him and say, God, sustain us, keep us, give us this living water, this water of eternal life. If you're feeling you're in captivity, you feel like you're a slave, you feel your identity's been broken, there's only one source that's going to restore that. I can preach psychological sermons, I can give you the latest techniques, I can Christian mindfulness and all these things, but you know the starting point is just to turn your face to God and say, God, I'm on my face, I'm on my knees to you, and I want you to touch my life. I want to heal you. I want you to restore my life, restore my family, restore my, restore my household, restore my, my town, restore Littleover, restore Derby. I want to see people turn to you, but I've got to start by turning to you, God, and let you be the source of my life. Are we willing to let God to be the source of our life? Are we tired to turn into worthless things to give us identity and purpose and strength? You know, you may, you may not know God and you've been turning to so many things that you thought were worth or value and then you get along a year or two and you realize how worthless they are, how they've never sustained you or kept you. And I'm telling you today, there's somebody here, there's a Father in heaven, there's a, there's a God who loves you, who sent his Holy Spirit, who's saying, turn to me, I am the solution. I am the answer, I am the living water, I'm the one who can give you life in the full, I'm the one who is eternal life, I'm the one who's the power I'm the one who gives you meaning. Turn to my face. Direct your life towards me. Walk in my paths, which are rich and fruitful and blessed. To rest in him. And when the trials come, and they will come, and the difficulties come, and they're going to come, and the upset comes and it'll come. <laughs> and the pain comes and it comes and the sickness it comes, it'll come. And the enemy, the enemy will come and try to trample over us and, and do things to prevent us and stop us moving forward in our life because the enemy doesn't want to see you grow. And the enemy doesn't want to see you mature. 
And the enemy doesn't want to see you submit yourself to God. And the enemy doesn't want you to drink from living water. He's got lots of polluted water there that he wants you to drink that will not give you sustenance or meaning. And everyone's coming. But there's one place you turn when it all comes to the source of living water and not to the cracked systems of the world, society or purpose, but to the one source of living water. He'll take all that out of your head. All that stuff that's going through your head at the moment, he's going to take that out for you if you just give it to him. Your pain, your heart, your fears, he's going to take it away if you just give it to him. Your doubts, your fears, he's going to give away from you because you know what? Even faith's a gift from God. Isn't that amazing? I don't need faith. I just need to ask for it. (laughs) I just need to ask for faith. Well, (laughs) isn't that even a hard thing? How can I have faith? Ask for it. How can I have the Holy Spirit? Ask for it. How can I have salvation? How can I see life changed? Ask for it. How can I see little over changed? How can I see Darby changed? Ask for it, because it's his work, isn't it? It's not our work. We just have to rest in him and seek him as the source of everything that's going to happen and move through. Amen.